Hello and welcome to Talking Europe. Our guest today is Paolo Gentiloni. He is the EU Commissioner for the Economy, former Italian Prime Minister, former Italian Foreign Affairs Minister. Thank you for being with us. Welcome on the show, Mr Gentiloni. I'd like to ask with uh, the start with the first question, which is about the EU summit this Thursday. Now, the EU has unlocked a 50 billion euro support package for Ukraine over the next four years. Does this mean Europe is shifting gears when it comes to aid for the country? Well, I think it was a great uh, result, honestly. Um, if we look to the expectations that were there, uh, we were not even sure um, to reach this uh, unanimous agreement because of the um, possible veto from Hungary. Now we have 50 billion for the next four years, uh, which gives to Ukraine uh, stability, predictability on their resources. But it is also, I think, a strong message for our partners in US, uh, because they are also discussing how to continue their support to Ukraine. And the fact that the EU took this decision will help, I hope, all other partners to do their part of this international support. So you did talk about this uh, potential Hungarian veto, and uh, other member states really exerted maximum pressure uh, for this uh, this deal uh, to, to pass. But Viktor Orban is going to be uh, the next rotating president of uh, the EU Council. Um, is that something to be worried about, given that he has once again showed his clear support, or at least uh, sided up with uh, Vladimir Putin uh, in this uh, in this aid package negotiation? I think what was uh, clear um, from the results of Thursday is that at the end of the day, the European Union is stronger than its own division. Why? Uh, because after frequently long discussions, um, the idea that uh, unity uh, prevails is the rule. Of course, you can have exceptions, but I don't think, honestly, that in six months of rotating presidency, uh, nobody could disrupt the European Union. And yeah, I'm he, not sure on that the this is the real he, intention. He does get to set the agenda. I mean, could he take well, you know, Ukraine off the table in some instances? No, absolutely. Uh, the decisions are taken, as you know, um, by majority or unanimity of member states. So mm -hmm. the rotating president is, has a role, of course, which is important, not only among head of state and government, but also the different councils uh, gathering the different ministers. But it is a role that you can play if you enter uh, in the role of an honest broker. Otherwise, you are not playing the role. And I think that it is in the interest of Hungary to play this role as it is needed. And there is no possibility to use this role against the EU. Mm. The, the US support when it comes to Ukraine does not look as unconditional as it did a few months ago. As you know, there's an aid package which is blocked in Congress. Does the EU have the capacity to support Ukraine alone today, in the years to come? 
No, let me very clear. Uh, we did uh, our part. Uh, we were already the first um, economic supporter of Ukraine also before the decision taken today, uh, taken Thursday. But, and we are even more now after this decision. But overall, we need our international partners. And among them, we need the U.S. contribution in first place. Um, there is a difficult discussion in the Congress uh, linking this support to other internal uh, controversial issues. I'm sure that the Biden administration is fully committed in trying to continue the support to Ukraine, not only militarily, but also economically. Will the Congress support the administration? We will see, I think, in a few days. Uh, I'm rather optimistic, but of course, I know that this will be an issue also in the U.S. electoral campaign. Uh, it will not be obvious uh, for all parts concerned in the presidential campaign the need to support economically Ukraine. Um, of course, you're in charge of the economy. I'd like to ask you another question about, you know, what's been going on in the past week. And that, of course, is uh, the farmers protesting across Europe, including uh, in front of uh, the European Parliament and in the European district in, in Brussels. Um, uh, how do you think we can get out of uh, this crisis? I mean, uh, what they're saying, the farmers, in a sense, is that uh, they feel that they're being asked too much and that there is unfair, uh, you know, dumping of uh, agricultural produce that comes from outside the EU. Um, how, how do you think the EU needs to move on on this? Does uh, the uh, common agricultural policy need to be modified? Uh, well, we are referring to <clears throat> big part of the uh, EU uh, budget. Uh, more or less 30% of the EU budget is for uh, agriculture. So yeah. it's not... We can't say that there is not uh, an importance for the, in Brussels for this sector. I would say first, we have to understand the reasons uh, of the malaise mm. among uh, farmers. And the reasons are several. First, uh, the fact that in Europe, prices of energy increased enormously, mm. especially after the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And this, of course, is influencing uh, different sectors of our economies, but also agriculture. Second, there is the concern about the difficulties of the relation frequently between agriculture and the big distribution, uh, the dynamic of prices. Mm. And third, there are also issues that are more strictly connected to the European decisions, uh, first, trade. Um, the concern in these months is about the imports that we have from Ukraine. Uh, I think it was the right choice to give Ukraine access without tariffs. It is a form of support to this country who is fighting, which is fighting for our values. At the same time, it is understandable that in some sectors, these imports could be excessive uh, and create 
too high difficulties to our farmers. And for this reason, we established a threshold in two or three key sectors for the imports from Ukraine. Second, so there is the concern about... Now, the, the yeah, Mercosur yeah. trade agreement, for example, I myself was on a tractor uh, last week with farmers and they were telling me that they don't understand how the EU can ask for more environmental regulation and at the same time open the market, for example, to Mercosur, because that is the, the, the deal that's being negotiated right now. France has now taken a pretty clear stance saying it would oppose this deal. But obviously there are other things in game, such as, for example, the influence of Europe versus that of China in these South American countries. What is your position? Does the Mercosur deal need to go through or is it a problem in crippling uh, Europe's agriculture? Well, negotiations are going on since years. Um, and um, I think in these negotiations, we have to take into account two things. First, of course, uh, we, we can't conclude negotiations that are damaging seriously sectors of our economy. So we have to listen to the concern that we have in some sectors, for example, agriculture. Second thing that we have to take into account is that the experience of several years that we have shows that trade agreements were in the interest of the European Union economy. Also trade agreements that were enormously discussed. Just remember, for example, the trade agreement with Canada. We had an enormous discussion on the repercussion of this trade agreement. But as a matter of fact, after a few years, we see that this was an advantage for our economy. So I think we can't go to protectionism. I understand the critics, for example, on the, another issue, which is the Green Deal from, mm -hmm. coming from the agriculture. As you know, we took some decision to go towards the concern of farmers yes. on the green transformation. But also here, let me be clear, we can't imagine that this transformation could exclude a fundamental sector of our economy like agriculture. So also agriculture has to do its own part in the green transformation with flexibility, graduality and common sense, but excluding one sector from the green transformation is not impossible, is not possible and is unfair. That is uh, very much all we have time for, Mr. Gentiloni. I'd like to thank you very much for being with us and for giving us uh, your point of view on this, in these matters. My pleasure. Um, and thank you for watching. Now, do stay with us because this was only the first part of Talking Europe. Just after a short break, we'll be coming back with a debate recorded in Brussels with MPs about the European agriculture.